Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Oderico, and right alongside, of course, is none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional, Cindy Miller, and we are the hosts of the Women of Golf Show. Good morning, and welcome, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, and we're going to ask Cindy where she is this morning, because she's obviously uh, a busy little beaver as usual. We're going to talk to her in just a second, but let me just remind everybody real quick, uh, that we are live every Tuesday mornings from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com network. Go to blogtalkradio.com uh, forward slash golf, uh, women of golf, sorry, uh, and or just type women of golf up in the search key and that will take you there. Uh, you can also listen to us on a couple of other platforms, iTunes.com and Stitcher.com, and just under the podcast section, uh, just type in women of golf and that will take you there. But we're glad that you could join us live this morning and uh, – also, if you want to call in any time during the live broadcast, you can do so by calling area code 347-945-5855, uh, or you can reach out to either Cindy or I at the following emails. Her email is cindy at cindymillergolf.com, and mine, of course, is ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. And if you're somebody that's interested in coming on the show and uh, think you've got something to share, maybe you're uh, either a golf professional or Maybe you're an entrepreneur or an author uh, that's written a great uh, golf book that you think uh, would be of interest to the audience. Please reach out to either one of us at the following emails. We've got a great show for you this morning. We're going to talk uh, on our discussion this morning, Cindy and I, uh, called Play to Your Strengths. We'll talk to you a little bit about that in just a second. And then a little bit later on, we've welcomed back uh, here, actually just two weeks after she was on the last time, uh, Susie Myers. We said we're going to have her back quick, and we certainly did that. Uh, She's a top 100 teacher in America, and she also co-authored uh, golf from point A with Valerie Lazar. Uh, she's going to be joining us uh, once again on the second half of the show, so you want to make sure you stick around for that. Um, but, Cindy, let uh, the folks know, where are you uh, this week? You're off on another adventure. I am in Connecticut at the LPGA Northeast Section Pro-Pro Workshop and Pro-Am. So we have an LPGA Northeast Section pro, uh, Workshop going on right now inside, And this afternoon, we have a pro-pro tournament where we're all getting together and we're playing a best ball tournament with um, everybody has a partner. And it's our big event for the LPGA Northeast Section Teaching Division. Perfect. So do you know who you're partnered with uh, today? Do you know who your partner's going to be? Yes, I am playing with my good friend, Angela Alente from Sterling Farms Country Club and the Alente studio, uh, Fitting Studio. She is, uh, last year, she was Callaway's Custom Club Fitter of the Year. So she's a good buddy, and she's a very successful entrepreneur, and we're very excited to play this afternoon. 
Well, good luck uh, in the tournament. I know you guys will do well. Um, now, Cindy, I, I thought this would be an interesting discussion. Um, you know, a lot of times people are unsure of really how to play golf. You know, they focus on their game. They're, you know, hitting ball after ball, trying to improve. Uh, but there's one area of their uh, game that a lot of amateurs I'm talking about, of course, here is they don't know how to play to their strengths. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. I'm just going to read an opening statement, and then we'll get into our discussion. Uh, you know, Cindy, doesn't it seem that, uh, and I'm obviously referring to a lot of our amateurs, but a lot of them sort of gotten away from what really the, re- the purpose of playing golf, and of course, number one is to have fun, uh, but also um, to, to get out there and be competitive and, and, uh, and just, you know, really give it your best. And, and I think what a lot of them have done in an attempt to hit the golf ball better um, they've sort of lost the art of strategy. And a lot of folks might be asking, you know, strategy, what, what strategy, uh, what does strategy have to do with golf? Well, it has to do everything with golf. And Cindy, we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. Um, and, and our first sort of point, if you will, uh, Cindy, is, uh, and I'm sure you would agree with this, better players understand that having a, a plan uh, for their round leads to better ball striking. And it's not just hitting the ball better, but just better play throughout their round. Um, would you agree with that? And any, any thoughts about having what you do to, to make sure that you're properly prepared and have a good game plan, if you will, before you start your round? Well, I, I totally agree with you without a doubt that you absolutely have to have a game plan. But I also believe that you need to know your own game before you have the game plan. So if you're not aware how far you hit the ball or what club to chip with or what type of shot you want to hit, then you're behind the eight ball to start with. So I think it all starts with, number one, looking in the mirror and saying, okay, what do I need to realize and learn and know about my own game so that when I do go to a course that maybe I'm not familiar with, I can make a better game plan for myself so I can play much better and be happier with my results. Yeah. And, you know, there, there's really two components to, uh, I believe, in making a, a, a plan. Um, the first is what you just talked about is really understanding who you are. And that falls into really the second point. I'm going to sort of roll it into, into uh, one point here. But I think the first point is, uh, of the plan is really to understand your strengths and weaknesses, um, understanding where your weak areas of your game are and where your strong areas are, then you have a better understanding of what to focus on when you get into your practice sessions or when you're working with your uh, local golf professional. Um, having a better understanding of what those weaknesses and strengths are can help you put together a better game plan. For instance, um, and let me just give you an example, and then Cindy, maybe you can share some uh, of your thoughts as well. You know, If you're a poor driver, if you're somebody that does not drive the ball well at all, probably it's not a good idea to pull out the driver on every hole. Um, Maybe what you might want to do is pull out a fairway wood or maybe even a hybrid or a long iron or some other club that you know you're going to be able to make good contact with and get yourself down uh, the fairway, even if it's only 150 yards. It's better to be straight and 150 than to be crooked and 200 all over the place. Would you agree with that? Totally. Absolutely. And again, I think people sometimes, they 
they have a, I want to almost say incorrect beliefs, if you will. Um, we played a pro-am yesterday, and one of my partners is really pretty new to golf, and this was her first right. pro-am ever, and she was all excited. I, In fact, I brought two newbies with me, and the first tee shot, she hit dead right, and she looked like, okay, what was that? And then the second tee shot, she hit dead right. I said, look, we need to stop with the driver, and we need to go get a hybrid, and you need to get the club head to the ball before the hands. And she looked at me like, what? And I said, you you have to allow the ball to be the evidence of what you've done with the club. And you can get wigged out and all upset about where the ball's going and you can react, but then you have to respond and say, okay, what just made that happen and what can I do to fix it? Otherwise it's going to happen all day. And so she finally fixed it, but she didn't want to give in. And I said, well, that's two in a row. Now we can keep doing the same thing wrong or we can change. And we changed, and then she finally got it and hit some great shots. But I think people are sometimes so stubborn they don't want to do that, and then Mm -hmm. they can't get upset if they don't play well. So I think it's just an awareness of knowing yourself and what you do. Right, exactly. And and I think, too, Cindy, that goes to even a greater point, and that is, you know, if you've had the opportunity before you played down to maybe hit some balls out in the range – uh, you know, to practice, if you know at that point that you're not hitting your driver well, leave it out of the bag. Don't play with that club. That's part of the strategy. That's part of making a plan because right away you've established for that day, this is going to be a weak part of my game. Um, it may not overall be a weak part, but it may be for that particular day. You're just not hitting your driver well or, uh, you know, uh, or, or some other area, but particularly your driver, obviously, because that's how you're going to start the, the round off. So why pull it out of the bag? If you've hit eight poor shots with your driver in a row, why would you want to make it number nine on the first tee? Because right away you're going in, you're taking a negative with you um, to, to the, to the uh, golf course. So leave it out of the bag and do, as, as Cindy suggested, maybe reach for a hybrid or some other club that you know that you uh, can hit more comfortably and give you uh, and sort of reinforce with some positive thoughts um, as you start your round. Because you know, and I do, Cindy, that how many times that we've gone to, uh, whether it be a pro-am or, or what have you, and you see a lot of amateur golfers do this. They'll get out on the driving range. They'll hit ball after ball. They just can't figure out what's going on with their driver. And they figure, well, maybe somehow, some way out in the golf course, it'll correct itself. I'll just tinker around with it. And they start playing around with their, with their club when they get out there and end up in a bigger mess, right? Absolutely. <laughs> We've all done it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and we're all guilty of it to, to some degree. But I think as professionals, I think you, you learn to recognize um, what your weakness, uh, weaknesses are and you know the appropriate time um, to practice. So let's, let's go back yesterday, uh, Cindy, you, you know, you played in the program, you had an idea of how your game was working. What were some of your strengths yesterday during your round? And what were some of the weak areas uh, of your game that you, you clearly were struggling with, uh, around the golf? Course? Well, we didn't have time to warm up and I was playing a golf course I had never seen before. And we were playing a scramble and so, and it was pouring rain. And we ended up playing yeah. 13 holes in the tournament. 
But I must tell you that my strength ended up being my shots into the green. Um, I, oh, hit wow. a few, I hit a bunch of good drives. I hit a couple drives in the uh, a little left, uh, but they were playable. But fortunately, I was paired with um, my two buddies from Buffalo who had a great time, and then two people I had never met before from Connecticut who were really good, two women, who pounded it, and they got the hit from the red tees. So we were way up front. We ended up coming in second low net, which was awesome. But I think my strength was my shots into the green from the fairway. Yep. And you see, and that goes a long way uh, with strategy as well. If you know what your strengths are going to be, when you make a plan, Cindy, uh, as I know that you do, uh, to play that particular round, you're going to play to your strengths. You're not going to play to your weaknesses. Now, that doesn't mean you might not be faced with a shot that – you know, particularly that you're not playing that well that day. Um, but if you know what your strengths are, the shots that you are going to play are going to play to that part of your game, not to your weak area of your game. Would, would that be a fair assessment? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you may lay up on a par five so that you either have a longer or shorter shot so that you get to hit the shot into the green that you're looking for. Uh, on a par right. four that re- is real tight, you might tee off with a three-wood or a seven-wood or maybe a three-hybrid so that you make sure you're in the fairway so that you can hit the shot into the green. Again, what you need to stop, uh, what most amateurs need to stop and say is, if I can get away with no doubles or more, I'm going to score okay. Because if you bogey every hole, you shoot 90. So if you don't make any right. doubles, life is pretty good. And how do yep. you eliminate doubles? Well, by hitting the ball in the fairway. And and maybe if you can't go over the water on your second shot, you lay up and you hit it on and one over regulation and you two putt for bogey. So I think mm-hmm. people get so gung-ho with, okay, let's go, I'm ready. And they get wired up <laughs> and they lose their ability to think. Yeah, and it, that's what and, hurt, and this, hurts them. Yeah, and this is what strategy is all about, understanding what your uh, your strengths are and to play to those strengths. That's really the key that we're trying to focus on here today, knowing what those strengths are, knowing what your weaknesses are, and building your, your round around both of those. Um, one, obviously, you want to avoid. The other that you want to uh, sort of encompass, uh, compass, if you will. And I guess ultimately the question that you want to ask yourself is what are you looking for? What's your end game? And obviously you want to score the best round that you can and you want to be able to hit the ball well. But ultimately you want to be able to create a strategy that works for you. And and this, Cindy, goes to to the point you made right from the get-go, and that is looking in the mirror and understanding you as a person. You know what your strengths are. You know what your weaknesses are. And you play to your strengths. I don't play to Cindy Miller's strengths, and she doesn't play to my strengths um, when you're out in the golf course. You know, too often we'll see um, people paired up, and, and Cindy, I'm sure you see this plenty of times in pro-ams. Uh, you know, somebody will, will um, try to hit a shot. They might pull it off. They might not pull it off. And another person will try to emulate that, even though they don't necessarily have the same skill level. And, you know, because they don't want to look bad. For instance, you know, you'll see somebody that will, uh, as you said, uh, maybe hitting a long iron into a green. Uh, you know, uh, player A 
might have the skill set and the ability to be able to pull that shot off. So the second player, player B, decides, well, you know, I'm going to try that too. Um, but maybe they don't have the same confidence or the same ability. And the next thing you know, they've duck hooked it into the pond or they've hit it into a greenside bunker and it's now buried. Um, so, again, not knowing who you are and what your abilities are can make a huge difference out in the golf course. And, and Cindy, I know that you've really tried to, you know, for the last several years on this show, really tried to hammer home that point about understanding your game and not somebody else's, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You cannot, I mean, you can watch other people and you compare yourself and say, you know, I think um, one of the things that I've learned is that he or she who misses it best without getting picked wins. And sometimes I get a little too gung-ho and try to kill it, and that's really not what you want to do. And so I believe that, you know, you can watch other people and say, you know, admire their strength and say, you know, I could be more focused when I'm out here. Um, They miss it better than me. That person's got a great short game. That person putts great. That person hits their driver straight. And then figure out what you can do to help that happen. So that's what you absolutely need to do, in my opinion. Yeah. So what's your strategy on the golf course? What do you, when you come to, uh, you know, when you're, when you're playing today in, in your uh, group, uh, in your pairing, what's going to be your strategy, do you think? I have to tone myself down because I tend to get too excited and I have to really go inward and focus on the task at hand and feeling the club head. And if I do that for 18 holes, I'll be happy with myself no matter what the outcome. And, and that's, that's something too, that a lot of people, um, you know, overthink the process. You know, the idea really, Cindy, ultimately, you know, we all want to play well and we all want to shoot good scores and we want to hit the ball, you know, well as, as best we can. Uh, but ultimately, we want to have fun. And I think a lot of people bring undue pressure on themselves um, by trying to do everything just perfect and trying to, um, to overthink the process. And a lot of times, if you just sort of clear the mind and just not get so caught up uh in 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 everything that's around you uh i think that you can focus a little bit better you know for instance when you're uh on your uh, on your approach shot that's the only shot you think about you're not thinking you know two holes ago and you're not thinking about that hole that's coming up in in three or four that's gonna you know you're gonna have to carry over water that par three uh you know surrounded by bunkers you're not thinking about that you're thinking about the particular shot in the moment is that something that you're uh, would you say is a strength in your game that you're able to focus on the shot at hand uh, or do you find yourself drifting sometimes too? Uh, I've taught myself how to focus. <clears throat> Excuse me. I just sneezed. Um, I have taught myself how to focus on the task at hand. And again, you learn that by screwing up, you know, so experience yes. is a great teacher. And, and I have learned that, you know, you're never out of the hole. Anything great can happen, and you have to stay positive and focus on the task at hand. So it's sometimes difficult to do, but um, like I tried to help Megan yesterday, I said, look, don't get down on what you're doing wrong. Focus on the solution Mm -hmm. to fix the problem. 
Yes. And she did. I mean, it was hard because she was going silent on us. And one of the girls yep. came over and gave her a big hug and said, you need a mommy hug. And I'm like, stop. Don't feel sorry for it. This is not a death sentence. Come on, let's go. And we got it back. <laughs> yeah. It's not easy a, a to do, people, but that's what you have to think. Right. You're, you're exactly right. You know, a lot of folks out there, I think when they when they get in the moment and things are not happening the way that they hope maybe they you know maybe they they did hit some good uh good shots on the practice range and they're feeling really excited and they get out there and boom they flop the first shot off the tee and they're thinking wow what happened I, I just you know I was hitting them I was just striking them pure you know five minutes ago on the range and now I can't seem to hit the tee uh the first tee shot uh you know I'm in the woods or you know I've topped it or I've, I've hit you know with my driver I've hit behind the tee and and you know all kinds of things happen and they get very down on themselves. So that sets a negative tone right away for the round. Sometimes you have to laugh that off and you just have to say, gosh, I can't believe I just hit that lousy shot. But you know what? Uh, the great thing about golf is I can take a mulligan or, uh, you know, a provisional depending on, on the circumstance if you're in a tournament. Um, and I'm going to now focus on the next shot. What do I need to do? And, and that's again, falls under strategies, knowing how to recover well and Cindy, I know when you get up in front of a shot, you know, you said that uh, you were really approaching the greens yesterday. Just very quickly, what's some of the thought processes you're coming up to hit that second shot uh, or your approach shot into the green? What's going through your mind as you're getting ready to, to execute that? Well, I want to know what kind of lie do I have? What's the yardage? Is it uphill, downhill? What's the temperature? What's the, the weather was terrible yesterday. It was raining, so the air was heavy. The ball's going to go shorter. So I might say, okay, we got 128 into the green. It's uphill, and it's a little against the wind. This is playing 145. And they would go, what? I go, that's the playable yardage. So you have to be very aware, you know, acknowledge stupid and play away from it. What's that mean? Well, there's a bunker short of the green. Okay, so Mm -hmm. let's add another five and make sure that we don't go in the bunker. So it's a lot of stuff. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, you have to be prepared. And, and, and the idea is you're not trying to clutter your mind with a lot of thoughts. You want to gather the, the data. You want to process the data. And then based on the, the results and the answers uh, of those or conclusion, if you will, then that's when you want to execute the shot. The other thing in the final point, Cindy, um, that I, I think that you'll agree with as well, and, and this is something a lot of amateurs don't even, uh, even really consider, but better players such as yourself – are actually reading the greens before they're actually standing on the green. So as an example, when you come up there and you're ready to hit your approach shot, you're looking down at the green, you're assessing the situation, you're seeing that, okay, I, I see that there's uh, that the, the pin sitting, uh, you know, high up on the back of the green, so I know that there's some undulation in the green. So you're, you're, you're kind of assessing what the green looks like. Um, maybe you've walked it through, um, if you're playing in a tournament during the Pro-Am, you've walked it through, so you, you have an understanding of what the various greens are as you come up to them. But even if you're playing a new course that, uh, as you said yesterday, um, that you really hadn't played before, as you're coming up for your approach shot, you're actually reading the green before you've even taken a step on the green. Uh, would that be fair? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the other thing was we started on the fifth hole. So as we were driving our carts out to the fifth hole, I'm looking at holes one through four so that I'm very aware of what we're going to have to play with later. You know, so again, 
uh, yeah, that's exactly what you have to do. And and this sort of, uh, just to wrap it up very quickly, this is really what we're talking about playing to your strengths. Everybody focuses so much, Cindy, on their ball striking ability. And yes, that is important. It plays a key role. Obviously, if you can't hit the ball, it, it can make it for a miserable round. So you want to work on that part of your game. But that's not the only part of your game. Having a game plan, understanding what you need to do, um, and, and that's a great point that you just said. You know, if you're playing in, in an event where maybe uh, it's a shotgun start or something and, and you're playing out at a, at a, whether it be the fourth hole, fifth hole, or whatever it happens to be, as you're driving by, be observant at the holes that you're passing that you may be pay, playing uh, a, a little bit later on in your round. You know, look at, at some of the trouble that's out there. Look at the way that the, the, the pin, where the pin is on the green and, and kind of make some mental notes uh, as you're driving by and, and even talk about it if you're in a, a partnership, uh, you know, situation. Talk about it with your partner. Say, hey, did you notice on hole number three, blah, 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 blah. And you're, you're talking about these things. And that also helps to formulate a game plan and works into your strategy quite nicely. And, and that's really um, what it's all about is – getting a good game plan together before you get out in the golf course, but taking advantages of opportunities while you're out in the golf course to make some mental notes along the way. And Cindy, that's something obviously I know that you do quite well uh, in preparation. Well, you've always got to be thinking ahead. That's right. And biggest mistake people make is they think backwards and they're thinking about holes that they've already played. You cannot, you know, if you play hole number one, and you're now on hole number two, the last thing that you want to do is be thinking about hole number one. It's gone. It's done. You can never get that hole back. So start focusing on where you are in the present moment, and I promise you you're going to be a much better player uh, overall. Um, we got just a moment or two here, uh, Cindy, before Susie comes on board. Uh, let me just read out uh, a little bit about her, and then we'll bring her on as soon as she comes uh, on board here. Uh, as we mentioned, Susie Myers uh, was our guest a couple of weeks ago, and we enjoyed having her and kind of got caught partway through the conversation, so we wanted to invite her back uh, to join in part two. Uh, and, and Susie, of course, is a top 100 teacher in America. Uh, she was All-American at the University of Arizona uh, before she went on to play on the LPJ Tour. Uh, she competed in four U.S. Opens and won LPJ Championship and was selected Teacher of the Year uh, for the Southwest uh, Section uh, chapter in 2012. Uh, she coached PGA Tour winner Michael Thompson for 15 years and was sharing uh, her Point A ideas, uh, obviously from her book, Golf from Point A, uh, with Derek Ernst uh, when he had his first PGA Tour win. Uh, she coaches everybody from beginners, club players, and tour professionals, and uh, she is an instructor at Ventana Canyon Golf and Racquet Club in Tucson, Arizona. So, uh, please welcome our very special guest, uh, Susie Myers. Good morning. Good morning, Susie. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on the show again. I appreciate that. You well, are welcome. Well, we're glad welcome. to have you back. <laughs> All I'm right, so Cindy, excited I'm to you, be here. Uh, We've got a, a lot to talk about today. We sure do. Um, Cindy, do you want to go ahead or do you want me to start? I would like you to start. Okay. Let's just do a very quick, Susie, if you don't mind, just a very uh, recap. We were talking a little bit about, uh, obviously, your book as well, uh, Golf from Point A. So um, first off, let the folks know a little bit about that book and where they can get it available, and then we'll, we'll continue on our conversation. 
Okay, Golf from Point A is a, a, a compilation of uh, my work for the last uh, basically 40 years. And um, it is uh, recently published and available on Amazon and also barnesandnoble.com. And um, you can find it at my website. It's also Susie Myers Golf and golfcompointa.com. Um, it's, it's about a concept, point A, and people go, what does that mean? Well, most people are trying to play golf from point A to B to C to D, and they try to connect right. everything together. And so uh, point A is really basically trying to get people to find themselves in the moment and only this one place without carrying the burdens from your last shot and without carrying um, anxieties about where you want the ball to go. Right, right. And, and Susie, Cindy and I just finished a discussion where we talked about, you know, playing to your strengths. And I guess the first question I have for you is a, a lot of folks don't really understand and I'm talking about obviously our amateur golfers out there don't understand really what their strengths uh, versus their weaknesses are. So my question to you is why is it important that we understand what we're able to, what we're able to control and what we're not able to control? Why is it important for us to know that? Well, that's really one of the big, big keys about um, your, your mindset. And since golf is such a unique game, it plays over a long period of time, four and a half hours. Um, we'd like to say four, but in, in today's world, it's four and a half hours. But um, knowing this, this period in time, this four and a half hours that you've dedicated to playing golf is very much like life. You're going to hit highs. You're going to hit lows. You're going to be challenged. You're going to think that you're on top of the world and you can do anything. You're going to go you're going to be able to experience emotions in these, this period of time that you don't typically get to feel in a condensed amount of time. Life happens over years and years and years and years. But this is really fun because it's in a condensed amount of time. Now, understanding what you can and can't control is really the, the biggest key because people believe that they can control their golf swings. So one of the first things right. I ask a student is, can you con control your golf swing? And they'll say to me, well, of course, I, that's why I practice, so I can control my golf swing. I say, okay, well, can you control where your ball goes? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm the controller of where my ball goes. So, yes, I can control that. And I say, well, then can you control your score? Well, I'm not that good at controlling my score. And I say, well, if you could control <laughs> your swing – then you could control where your ball goes, then you would know where your ball's going, and then you would know what you were going to score. And they looked at me a little bit funny. And I said, well, let's, let's not even talk about you. Let's talk about the best in the world. And when they're playing their last nine holes in a, a tournament that they're winning, do they hit every shot exactly the way they want to? Well, no, they don't. I said, well, if they're the best in the world and they can control their swing and their ball, they would not miss a shot. Well, everybody misses a shot. Well, correct. So you're really not in control of your golf swing. And they look at me like I've got 10 heads. But I said, if the best in the world are missing shots, then they are not in control of it. Yes, it happens a lot of good shots for them, but also they hit bad shots. And when Bubba Watson won the Masters from the 
the 10th fairway way to the right with a, you know, he didn't plan on his ball going there. So even the best in the world at the best of times cannot control their swings or where their ball goes. So obviously we can't control the score. So understanding that all of a sudden takes a huge pressure off of them and their goal system becomes different because if I, if I try to control something that's out of my control, it always leads to frustration. And I always say that to people that are parents. I said, you know, can you control your children? And they go, oh, I'd like to, but obviously I can't. And I said, well, when you try to, how does that make you feel? Well, I'm totally frustrated. And I say to the child, can your parents control you? Well, no, when they try to, I'm frustrated. So understanding that will help us get to a mindset that's actually free and actually accepting that I'm not going to be perfect and I don't have to be perfect. All I have to do is be able to deal with what is. You're, you're exactly right. And that's, that's an important point that, uh, you know, you said it just perfectly, that a lot of folks um, don't understand. You know, they, 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 sort of get in their mindset that, well, okay, I'm, I'm hitting the ball really well today, so I'm in control of my golf game. And then they get out on the golf course, like I, I mentioned a few moments ago, you know, out in the practice tee, they're hitting some great shots, they're, they're driving the ball well, and then they get to the first tee and they top the ball and they can't understand why. Um, you know, wow, I was just hitting it great five minutes ago, why can't I hit the ball well now? And, you know, well, things happen. Um, well, right? the whole environment changed at that point in time and the environment isn't just from the range to the to the first tee the environment is the inner environment it's that now you're looking not at a driving range you're looking at down a hole that environment inside of you makes you feel different so the environment that now it counts the environment that i i should be able to get this ball right there um, changes the mind-to-muscle connections, and that's a very intricate um, movement and sequencing. So once our mind changes, the whole environment has changed. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, you mentioned something a moment ago, and, and this is obviously going to lead into the next part of the, the discussion, and that is about goal setting. Um, there's immediate goals that we would obviously want to set if we're playing a round today, um, and then there's longer-term goals uh, throughout the year. What goals do we want to have through the year? This is a problem that a lot of amateurs have, is they don't know how to set goals. They don't know how to set intermediate goals, and they don't know how to set long-term goals. What are some of your suggestions to help some of the, the amateurs out there that might be tuning in this morning uh, about how they should go about trying to set goals and what they should be considering uh, when doing so? Well, I'm kind of a funny goal person. Um, I, I think I think very, from what I understand from other people, I think very out of the box with goals. Um, I believe that if we set a goal that is out of our control, then it's either a win-lose situation. So I don't like to be in right. win-lose situations. So I like to have goals that I'm actually have the, I have influence over. I actually have some control, I put that in parentheses, um, over. So if I ask someone, what is your goal when you go out to play, and they say, well, I want to break 90, or I want to break 100, and I say, okay, so let's just say that you start off and you make a, a 10, a 12, an 8, a 7, a 2, 
and a, a six. Do you think you're on your way to setting that goal? Well, no, I'm so far away from it. So that's a they then they give up because they're in a lose situation. So right. I like to set goals that are about the process. Let's take a deep breath on every shot. Let's uh, visualize every shot. Let's hold a finish on every mm-hmm. shot. Those are actually doable. And I always tell people that scores just happen. You cannot create one. Even when you think that you planned on making mm-hmm. the birdie and you made it, that's really just fooling you. That's just basically, you know, sucking you in to think that every time I think I'm going to make a birdie, I should make a birdie. It doesn't work that way. Birdies right. happen. Scores happen. The ball just happens to go somewhere when you're in the first stage in in a mindset that is more calming to, to allow the mind-muscle sequencing happen in a better manner. So I don't set very many goals. When I was on tour, I, I, when I first got on the LPGA tour, I did, everyone said, well, you need to set goals. Well, when I was on the mini tour, I was like the the number two player on the money list for two years. And I hadn't ever set a goal. I, I set what I call little baby steps. Well, today I'm going to walk at a certain pace. Today I'm going to breathe on every shot. Those were my baby step goals. And as soon as I got on the LPGA tour, I decided, well, i got to do that goal setting that everybody's been telling me to do. And, of course, as a rookie, you want to be a rookie of the year. You want to win a tournament. You want to have top tens. You want to, you know, make a certain amount of cuts. And it was, uh, it, was, it was the most disastrous year I'd had in my golf career because um, I ended up getting sick my first year. I was in bed. I couldn't accomplish any of my goals. I felt like a failure. And I was just had a terribly emotional year. And I said, I will never set a goal like that again. I don't have control over that. I don't know if I'm going to win or not. I don't know if I'm going to make a cut. But I show up every day and do my best with what I have today. So mine are very short-term goals that keep me on track. And I hope for the best. I would like to be, you know, I'd like to be able to say that this is my best golf year, but I won't know that score-wise until the end of the year because things happen. Right, right, exactly right. Um, Cindy, I know you've got uh, um, some questions as well um, that you want to ask, so uh, go ahead. Why would you say self-talk is an indicator of which way your game is going? Well, self-talk is, once again, uh, controlling or affecting your inner environment and how you feel about what you're doing. So um, if I miss a shot and I tell myself I'm terrible and I, I, I can't believe I just missed that and, you know, only an idiot puts it there, um, the, the whole system reacts to that. That's, the, that's your, to, a, to a cellular level it reacts to that. The vibrations within yourself go down. They become frustrated. They become a lower energy. If I can keep my self-talk up and say, you know, I just hit it in the bunker, but I can deal with that. I, I, you know, whatever, whatever it is, I can deal with it. The energy level stays up, which keeps our, our mind in a much more open and more um, 
forgiving place to allow you to see options, to allow the mind-to-muscle connections in the golf stroke to happen better. So how you talk to yourself is a a very, um, what I want to say, a huge discipline that golfers would be wise to start to be aware of. Because when you can discipline yourself on the golf course in the way that you speak to yourself, you can then discipline the way that you speak to yourself off of the golf course and the way that you speak to others. And we as humans are, are, are built to see what is wrong for a survival technique. So we actually have to train ourselves to be positive in a, and seeing what's right. And when you can do that on the golf course, it's once again just a training ground for life. Do you teach a right. lot of juniors? I teach a massive amount of juniors. I do not do a junior program where I teach them in um, groups. I am a very firm believer that golf is taught um, individually because every single individual comes with their own backgrounds and um, what they what they need to work on, what they need to develop is very different from someone else. So I'm not teaching chipping. I'm when I give a junior a session, we go the whole gamut from how's your relationship with your parents, how is school going, you know, tell me about your last round, and in, and in a group setting, I don't think you can create that kind of environment where they can learn to trust you. So um, I really love working with juniors. So how long would a junior session be for you? Basically, they come uh, an hour a week, and um, and and some of them come uh, don't come as often, and some come twice a week when they first begin with me because there's a a lot to go over in the beginning, and then it's it, because I give them tasks every week. This is your task for the week, um, you know. I want you to, when you think this thought, I want you to be aware of it and change it to this thought. And so it's disciplining them in how to quiet their mind and how to direct their mind and have these simple disciplines. And do you, Hmm. is this golf session on the range or in a room? Oh, it's on the range. It's it's underneath my tent, and uh, which can become a room. Um, there's many times where we sit and talk for 45 minutes out of the hour, um, and then there's many times where we're, you know, it's physical time. We need to really put some reps in. So I never know what I'm going to do until the student shows up, and once you start asking a few questions, it's quite easy for me to see what they need. Then I ask them what they want, and I always give them what they want and slip in what they need. Do you coach the parents? I do coach the parents. I love for the parents to come. In fact, I um, I want them sitting there right next to me, especially in the first session, because when the junior uh, or the young player goes back and tries to explain what happened, they have no clue what just happened to them in that hour. And their explanation is going to muddle it up terribly, but when the parent can see why I'm asking a question, what the reaction is, how I react to it, where we go then, then they start to see the process. One of the things I like to tease the parents, I say, you know, 
I know you're paying a lot for this these golf lessons. And I said, but the day that I give the, your child a lesson and I say nothing during the whole hour, that's the day that you pay me double. And they look at me and I said, because that means I did my job and they know what to do. Hmm. Very interesting. Say that again. I like that. Yeah. I don't... <laughs> so Say when, that when one more time. And, when they show up and they know how to warm up, they know how to go through that routine, they know how to um, tell me what they're going to work on and why, and then they work on it. They tell me what the feedback is from that ball flight. They tell me what they're going to work on in their next event because of what the last event is, and I don't even have to ask the questions. Then they know how to coach themselves. Perfect. Hmm. Very interesting. Um, Susie, Talk a little bit about, uh, you know, in your book you talk about how the brain works and and how your thinking affects uh, literally your golf stroke. Can you expand a little bit on that and and just tell us what what you mean by that? Well, the way that I like to explain the brain, because it's, you know, basically we know, you know, one one hundredth of what the brain is doing, but but we want to make it um, simple for people in a metaphorical way. So... I talk about the brain having a thinking brain and a doing brain. It's all one brain, but it's a, a thinking brain is what we have been training ourselves to do from, you know, the word go. You know, we go to school and everything's about think, 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 learn, 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 acquire, 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 acquire. And then we go out and we do, and we ride our bike and we tie our shoe and we drink our milk and we do all of these things in our doing brain. Well, I I like to talk about our doing brain a lot, especially to adults, because they have been in a thinking mindset of how to learn the game, and they have been learning in their thinking brain. So they like to give themselves a lot of instructions, and they like to tell themselves Mm -hmm. how to do everything. But the doer has a has a whole different idea of how it's going to operate best. So I call it the care and keeping of the doer. And the doer's environment is, well, the doer basically gets its information from three things. The doer, you cannot talk to your doer. You can't tell your heart to beat. You can't tell yourself exactly how to walk. You'll muff it all up. So the doer gets its information from pictures, not from words. So whatever you picture, the doer will gain the information. If I tell you to jump over a a rope, you actually see it before you go and do it, but you couldn't tell yourself exactly how to go and do that. Your doer also gets its information from your senses. And the two senses that you use the most in golf are your eyes. That's what takes in most of your information. And your feel, the feel of the club and the feel of the wind and the feel of the the, the ground. So that's bringing in information for your doer to be able to process. And the last thing that the doer gets its information from are your emotions. And this is why if you think you can, you can. If you think you can't, you can't. So your doer is highly affected by your emotions. I say the three biggest negatives that um, 
what well, I call them negatives, but there's just information. The doer doesn't discern whether it's good information or bad information. It just takes in the information. But the three things that hurt the doer the most are confusion, doubt, and fear. And so if we're confused, the doer doesn't have a clue what to do. If we're doubtful, mm. then the doer's like, well, I don't know if I can do that. Maybe I won't. And if I have fear, it really changes the mind-to-muscle uh, effect. So learning how to keep the doer in a very positive, very I-can-do-it, very um, aware state so that the muscles work in these sequences that we've been practicing on the range is a very um, is, is huge to your playing of golf because you really make the stroke in your doing mind. You think ahead of time to make your decisions, what club, what kind of stroke, is it going to be a punch shot, a high shot. Then you create a picture, you create an attitude, of, um, an emotion, and then you feel it and see it. And then the doer has a better chance of doing it. Right. Susie, so let me ask you a question. It, it, it kind of came about from what you were talking about working with the junior. In today's society, you know, with all of this technology that we have from iPhones and iPads and all kinds of what I consider artificial stimuli, people are, are looking for sort of instant gratification. They want everything now. They don't want it. How do you find and how do you combat that in, in your teaching? Because obviously we know golf is not, is not something that is going to provide an instant gratification. I mean, you might have a, a well-struck shot, but then the next two or three might not be so good. So how do you overcome that with today's students that are so used to, you know, uh, visual cues and, and, and sort of that artificial stimuli? How do you overcome that? Because that has to be something difficult to combat with. Would you agree or, or not? Well, I, I wouldn't use the word combat because then it gives it high energy. I totally ignore it. And, um, and basically, I totally ignore it. Not one of my students is on any technology. I use zero technology. There's not any place in our life that we use technology. We don't learn how to jump over a fence using technology. We don't learn how to throw a basketball using technology. Um, and, and what happens when we use technology is we're learning in the wrong part of our brain. So I talk mm -hmm. about all the positives, about how golf is so natural and how golf gets you away from all of the stimuli and how you, when you are out there, you are going to miss more shots than you are going to hit good. So this is, once again, learning how to accept what is and learning who you are, and you are not going to hit every shot good. So I always am talking about just forget it. They miss a shot. Just forget it. Just forget it. And um, stop looking backwards and trying to fix it. Go through the process of what you want to do. And it's on every single time I'm not training their muscles, I'm training their mind in how to think. If they, if they bump into a car when they're driving and they're new drivers, I don't say, well, now I want you to remember forever how not to do that because I don't want, ever want you to do that again. They become fearful and doubtful of themselves. I tell them everybody, yep. you know, has nicked a car. Forget it. You're a good driver. You can do this. I want to build up 
their confidence and not make them afraid of missing a shot or doing something wrong. And so that's what my coaching is all about. And so when the parents are there, and I had the parent just the other day, this son missed a shot, and she went, oh, and he missed another shot, and she's really at, oh. And I looked at her, and I said, okay, there are no comments going on when you miss a shot because it makes him nervous. And the young man turned around and said, yeah, Mom, I've been telling you that. <laughs> and I said, well, it's just because when you comment, he cares so much about what you think that he tries much, much harder on the next one, which really messes him up. And she sat for the rest of the yeah. hour and never made a comment. And it was really good training for her because I said he's going to mess up a lot. And explaining that to the parents is very big. It sure yeah, is. Yeah, that's, that's, that's so true. Cindy, uh, any final questions or, or uh, comments? Go factory. Real well, quick before we're over. Before we're over. Well, every time you think a thought, the brain sends out chemicals. And many people don't realize that either. I didn't when I was a player. So if I say, you know, there's a spider on your chair, all of a sudden we go, oh, you know. Or if I say to a kid, if you were in your house by yourself and you heard a noise and you imagined somebody in your house, do you feel differently? Oh, my gosh, yeah. And I said, well, those are the chemicals that are being thrown into your body. So every thought that you think, creates a chemical and and so you can create thoughts that give positive chemicals or you can create a thought that gives what I call negative chemicals and then I explain how those chemicals work in the body and the most unique part of that is that the chemicals for the negatives the cortisol the adrenaline those last a long time they don't come out of your body very quickly but the the positive chemicals the endorphins the, the the things that make us feel good, those don't last very long, and you have to keep resupplying them with good thoughts. That's why your self-talk is so important. Awesome. That's a great way to, yeah, that that's so true, Susie. You know, you're exactly right. You know, you often see, uh, even outside of the golf course, you, you, you know, you can always sort of, picture somebody that who is very negative by what comes out of their mouth most frequently if they're always you know putting themselves down or always talking negatively about themselves you can almost be rest assured that they have sort of created the negative aura around themselves and, and that's a great way uh, really to explain it is to talk about what's actually happening with the body uh, when that's happening right. and I think when people realize that they'll they'll change uh, and, and should and, and I think that's very important uh, a great way to end the segment well, Susie, thank you very much for, for coming on again. Unfortunately, I hate to say this again, but we're out of time. But uh, I promise you we'll have you back uh, again in, in future. And uh, very quickly, just uh, one more plug for the book. Okay, Golf from Point A. Um, find it on Amazon or under Susie Myers. Uh, and um, I hope you enjoy it. And if you go on my website, you can all get an email from me, and we can stay in touch. Thank you very much. Thank you, Susie. Right. Have a great day. Thank you, too. Have a great day. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right. That was our very special guest, uh, Susie Myers, a top 100 teacher in America, uh, part two of our interview, and uh, lots of great uh, information that uh, she has uh, both available in the book and in her uh, professional career 
and uh, you want to make sure that you check that out. So go to Amazon and Barnes and Noble and look for golf from point A. Uh, it's certainly going to be a great read. Well, Cindy, uh, we've got to wrap it up. Uh, unfortunately, we've come to an end. But uh, I want to wish you all uh, the best of luck today in, in uh, your event and at the uh, at the summit there. Uh, I know that uh, you'll learn lots of great information that is going to parlay in helping many of the great golfers out there, and but most importantly, have fun. So. Um, we want to thank, of course, uh, again, our special guest, Susie Myers, for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf. And most importantly, we want to thank all of you, the listeners out there faithfully, uh, for tuning in from all over the world. We really appreciate that. Uh, lots of uh, listeners tuning in from really all corners of the globe. Uh, and the audience is, is uh, slowly growing each and every week. So we appreciate all the new listeners. Welcome to uh, the Women of Golf show. And uh, we will be back next week with another great guest. In fact, we're going to be having Nancy Henderson back, uh, I believe, next week uh, for part two of her interview. So you want to make sure you come back and stick around. So on behalf of Cindy Miller and I, I'm Ted Odorico. Thank you very much for joining us on the Women of Golf Show. And we look forward to seeing you next week right here. God bless everybody. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Have a great week. You too. Bye-bye.